Hi, my name is Molly Schulte Tucker, and I have the privilege of pastoring the good people of Ridgewood Baptist Church in Mobile, Kentucky. On October 22nd, 29th, and November 5th of 2023, we are talking about All Saints Day, the rituals and beliefs we have in this life about our next life, what scripture tells us, what we do as a culture, and how we honor the dead. If it sounds morbid or depressing, you're probably with most people who avoid talking about death because it's hard, it's final, it's permanent, and we do everything we can to avoid it until we can't. It's the one experience we all share as human beings. But maybe in the midst of loss, in the moment of remembering, as we do on All Saints Sunday, we might find hope. We are in the second week of a mini-series called Remember Me as we approach All Saints Sunday, which is actually next Sunday, where we will honor the lives of people that we have lost, both from our congregation and people in your lives that you may have lost in the last year. So last week, we focused on the idea of remembering, how Jesus tells us in Jesus' final night with his disciples, his command is, remember, remember me, don't forget me, remember me. And so the rituals that we go through in times of death and beyond are to remember, to encourage us to remember the people that we have lost. Today, we're going to build on that just a bit. I am going to read to you from the book of John, but I'm actually going to start a verse earlier than what's printed in your bulletin and go a little bit further. So hear this from John 14. I'm going to be reading 1 through 7. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house, there are many rooms or dwelling places. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, so that where I am, there you may be also. And you know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to Jesus, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? And Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, you will know my Father also. If you know me, you will know my Father also. From now on, you do know him, and you have seen God. The word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Measuring four feet tall and retailing at $199.99 plus tax, this grand pink glittery house is sure to take up about half of your living room. 
Mattel debuted the at the time the one room Barbie dream house in 1962 three years after Barbie herself was debuted on the shelves it was complete with a television set a record player what's that and no kitchen the 1974 edition of the Barbie Dreamhouse mimicked more of a townhouse setting. It had three stories and six rooms. But then in 1979, Mattel introduced a newly suburban A-frame home with two stories and six rooms that were modular, meaning that you could deconstruct them and rearrange them. Wow. In 2008, the, the house was still pink and sparkly, but it returned to the three-story, again, four-foot-tall, original shape. But this time, do you remember what happened in 2008? This time, there was a space, there was a garage for Barbie's convertible. And then in 2013, the house debuted with an elevator. Oh no, not, not for what, for Barbie's clothes to go up and down the house. But don't worry, in 2019, Mattel realized that the elevator could not hold wheelchair Barbie, so they expanded the elevator to be able to be ADA approved. I had a fantastic dollhouse. I think it was about two feet tall couple floors maybe, but man, deep in the thoughts of a second grader, I was sinfully and not subtly coveting my friend Riley's Barbie dream house. And somehow deep within the heart of a second grader, I imagined when I heard this passage read that when we were talking about the many rooms in heaven, it looked something like a Barbie dream house with the yellow brick road from the Wizard of Oz. Streets paved with gold, houses stuck with pink glitter. Does that sound like heaven to you or a vacuuming nightmare? I don't know. Heaven has been described as something far away from us, something royal and glittering, something that was protected by pearly gates. That's where St. Peter sat at the front to make sure only those with heavenly credentials could get in. And if there was any question, he would radio back to Jesus and ask if it was okay if you cussed this many times instead of that many times. You know who you are. This passage is one that is often read at funerals of loved ones, and rightly so. It gives us this image of what it might look like to live with God after this life. 
while making sure it's known we have private bathrooms. Hymn writers and modern songwriters alike like to harp on the concept of what is coming. That hymn, when we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing it will be. Or I think this was an Elvis song as well. I've got a mansion right over the hilltop, hillside. Top, okay, we'll go with it. Uh, even that last verse of Amazing Grace, when we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, we've no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. All of these images of heaven that have surrounded our understanding of scripture, within our music, maybe something that looks like a Barbie dream house, I'm not sure. And I don't want to be rude, but it seems like if we're putting all of these images together, a big house where everyone lives in fellowship with each other, where we're there for 10,000 years and it hasn't even begun yet, it seems like when God created heaven, God didn't take into account introverts. Because if you were to tell me that heaven looks like where I have to get up every day and go to a room full of people for 12 hours and we're all singing in a choir together, some of y'all are great. But if we have to go over measure 43 one more time because Wayne is not listening, I am going to kick a harp out of this heavenly choir. And in this choir, supposedly we are all coming into the great room from this large house with everyone's room, right? And if you're like me, and maybe like Peggy McFall, you know that you are the only one who is going to be cleaning the baseboards of that whole house. And if you're like me, thinking that the movie when I was young told me all dogs go to heaven, I know those floors are going to have to be swept twice a day for all of the dog hair. And I'm not really sure if cats go to heaven or not. The verdict is still out. But I'm sure if my dog alone goes to heaven, we will have enough sweeping and baseboard cleaning for all 10,000 years. So is that really what heaven looks like? The book of Hebrews tells us that faith is being sure in what we hope for and confident in what we do not see. We will not see or know heaven until we see and know heaven. Darn it. <laughs> but here's what I think we miss in the passage when all we can do is focus on the Barbie dream house portion. In verse 1, Jesus says, You believe in God believe also in me. 
And then in verse 7, Jesus says kind of the opposite. He said, if you know me, you know God also. It's this belief that if, if you believe in God, you should also believe in Jesus and what Jesus is doing and what Jesus is saying. And if you know Jesus, then in some ways you know how God is acting. So similar to the Hebrews text, there is an element of naming what we do know and trusting what Jesus says that extends to who God is because... We have experienced Christ. It's not necessarily what we have read, what we have sung for the past 50, 60, 70 years, but the life that we experience in Christ, that is what we know. So here's my pondering. I've sat with this passage all week, and and honestly, this passage is usually one of my funeral passages. I think it's so beautiful how Jesus describes how God cares for us. But as I've thought about it, to preach in this setting, I've come up with two things. And I can't attribute them to a theologian, so if it is a theologian, just catch me later, and I will humbly stand corrected. But two things, one of which we talked about a little earlier. First is a house with many rooms mean that many people can call that place home. It is home to the rich. It is home to the poor. It is home to the sick. It is home to the well. It is home to the gay and the straight and the transgender and the non-binary. It is home to those who are differently abled. It is home to those who speak English and to the millions of people who do not speak English. It is not owned by any one of those people, but it is God's showing of God's hospitality to everyone. I believe that God calls all people beloved even when we have trouble believing that about ourselves. And I know Jesus as one who ministered to and with people who were poor and diseased, not based on their nationality or gender. So I think having rooms in a house isn't pointing to this big golden mansion over the hilltop, but that in the life we may one day know, if we could even call it heaven, it's that every single person will have a place to belong and be whole and feel like home. But here's the second thing I noticed trying to put myself in that moment when Jesus is saying this to his disciples. See, in our ancient faith that belonged to the people of Israel and the early Jewish faith, the holy of holies was kept behind a curtain in the temple. It was sectioned off from anyone other than the high priest who could approach that place. It was one room apart from other rooms. But do you remember what happened the moment that Jesus breathed his last? The veil was torn. 
This was not a little veil. This was a ceiling height, heavy curtain that was ripped from the top to the bottom, not the bottom up, the top to the bottom so that all may experience God. So I wonder if when Jesus was saying that there was a place with many rooms, it was saying that we might have our own space and we would belong, but also God would not be contained to one place. God would be with all of us all of the time, so different than they could imagine at that moment. Jesus' death, That moment showed us that this heavy curtain of division that separated God and God's people did not stand a chance against the power of God in Christ that beat death. I'm not sure if I believe that heaven looks like a Barbie dream house anymore. But I do think that heaven probably exists in no way that I can picture it in my brain today. But again, Jesus said, if you know me, you will know my father. Jesus said, you believe in God, believe also in me. So I believe in God that loved me into this moment. And certainly I believe in the love of Christ that will sustain me throughout the rest of my life into my next life. Jesus said, if you know me, you will know my father also. So I know that Jesus, while on earth, associated with sinners far more than he associated with the righteous and religious. So I trust then and I know that Jesus will also pull those into God's self who feel like they don't belong. We will not know what heaven looks like until we see heaven. But I believe that the God of heaven showed God's self through the Christ that we follow and is continuing to move through the Holy Spirit in our midst. So when the race of this life has been run, we will know wholeness. We will know unending and maybe even unwarranted love and grace and belonging. We will know home, even the cats.